You're listening to The Thrive Podcast with your host, Kathleen Drennan, corporate executive turned creative entrepreneur. Listen in as Kathleen shares all the things about marketing, money, and managing your mindset. She'll provide you with the tools and templates you can use today to help grow your business and move one step closer to creating your best life. Ladies, you got this. I wanted to do something a little bit different for this week's podcast episode because a few weeks back, I had one of my favorite coaches come onto the podcast with me, Jenny Grisecci, and we did a podcast episode all about rejection. And I know for so many of you guys, you really resonated and you loved that episode. And I thought it would be really helpful to you to hear this discussion that Jenny and I had around people-pleasing and very specifically people-pleasing as floral designers and how it gets us into trouble when it comes to customer complaints. This was a conversation that Jenny and I had inside of our private community with our Flower Boss Bootcamp students. And I just know that when you hear this, it's going to help reframe and give you some new perspective in terms of where we might be attaching our own validation, affirmation, self-worth, worthiness to things outside of our control. And the whole concept of people-pleasing and how much it gets in the way of us actually showing up in our own business in a way that could actually be the most helpful to your clients. So it's an incredibly helpful conversation. Be ready to take some notes. And Jenny Grisecci is going to blow your mind, as she does every week inside of our program. She's one of the amazing coaches and additional resources that you get access to within the private community and within the Flower Boss Bootcamp space. Jenny Grisecci is a certified life coach. She is a multifaceted creative, and she is one of my favorite humans on the planet. She is probably one of the biggest reasons that Kathleen is still standing after the experience that was March, April, May of 2020. And Jenny is just so incredible at teaching us about our brains, about our self-worth, about our perfectionist fantasies and people-pleasing tendencies. And I learn so much every time I sit down and talk to her. So enjoy this week's episode. And if you want to get more goodness with Jenny Grisecci, then just come join us inside the Flower Boss Bootcamp and you get to meet her in person. Let's get into it. Okay, so today we're going to talk about people-pleasing, which I was just thinking to myself, we should just rename this session Being Canadian. <laughs> because this is what we do. We in Canada just allow everybody else's priorities to be more important than our own, and then we apologize for it. <laughs> Welcome to my life. Anyway, I'm going to give you guys a couple minutes to just join in. And I'm going to open up. How much better would life be if I could sing along? Oh my God, we should get Jennifer Grisecci to sing along. <laughs> She'd be like, nope, nope, we don't need to do that at all. We don't need to do that at all, Kathleen. So today, and the way that this call is going to go is we're going to be together for the next 45 minutes. 
And there's two ways that you can interact. So if at any point in time, if you have a question or if you have an aha moment, feel free to use the chat function in here. And absolutely, and I think particularly for today, because this is such a juicy topic, my friends, um, if anybody wants to come on live and ask some questions, dig a little bit deeper into this work, feel free to do that. The only thing that I request is that you're in a space where you feel like you can be really open and free in the conversation and you're not distracted by other things that are going on. And the way that this call is going to go down is that I brought my coach on, Jennifer Grisecci, who is a certified life coach, and she is a confidence coach for creative women. And being able to share this time with her, I know so many of you guys are finding it so valuable, and I am also finding it incredibly valuable. So we're checking two boxes. It's amazing, and it's so fun. So most of the time... When we get into this program and into this community, everybody's like, Kathleen, uh, what do I need to post on Instagram? What do I need to say in my inquiries? How do I set up my online catalog? What's the pricing? Da, 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 da. So we answer all of those questions. <laughs> we get to all the answers. And then you get to the point where you're like, okay, well, I thought that was the problem. And then you begin to realize that so much of where we get in our own way is in our own thinking right? And in our internal dialogue and how we're thinking about things. And this is why I love having Jenny come and participate because literally she is trained in teaching us and trained in being able to show us how powerful the human brain is in terms of creating the results that we want to create in our business. She can teach us how to take back our power and how to reframe our stories. And she can show us literally like we can sit there and examine our own thinking and just see where our interpretation of the circumstance or our interpretation of the situation may not be helping us move forward. It may not be serving us. And I love Jenny's skill set so much because she brings together, obviously, she has a very robust creative background, right? She's a photographer and a singer and an artist. And I wouldn't be surprised if we all turn around in a few months time and she's like, hey, look at this sculpture I created. And then she'll be like, hey, look at this thing I made over here. <laughs> Multifaceted creative is how most people would probably describe her. But because she is also a certified life coach, She's really able to bridge the gap between understanding creativity, understand being human, and she knows a lot about the science of the human brain, which is super fun. So we get to bring all of those skill sets into today's call, and today we're going to talk about people-pleasing. Yay! How fun is people-pleasing, my friends? Um, so... I had to look up the definition of people-pleasing because I feel like it's one of those things that we all know, like we all know, like, oh, I'm familiar with people-pleasing. But then I was like, what is it? <laughs> like, what does the Google describe people-pleasing as? So it literally describes it very simply. It was people-pleasing involves putting someone else's needs ahead of your own. I was like, oh, okay. I want to describe it as like noble thing to do, Right shouldn't be selfish. You shouldn't ever take care of yourself, particularly if you have children. Their needs are always more important than your needs, right? And what's really interesting, I was thinking about this and I was like, okay, so how might some of our almost unchecked people-pleasing behaviors, how might that manifest ourselves in our business, right? How might people-pleasing rise to the surface in terms of us being a business owner, 
And two very specific scenarios came to mind for me. And this is absolutely my story. And I'd love to hear from you guys. But one is our industry, right, as a collective, likes to teach floral designers that the way that the design process works is your customers, your client, your prospective couples come to you with a photo and then you are a trained monkey to make that happen, right? That's how our industry shows us that the creative process happens, right? So I certainly, for the first three or four years of my business, allowed our clients to be the dictators of our design aesthetic. They sent us the picture. I had to tell them how much it was going to cost, give them guidance on what it might look like, but I didn't really feel like I had any say in the situation. It was my job, right, to come hell or high water, (laughs) I had to make it happen, right? So then I would run around the market trying to find all of these ingredients to really replicate some of these designs that our clients had given us and allowing our customers to dictate our design aesthetic and almost fall into that servant of the master-servant relationship, right? And it's a really unempowering space to be, but I was convinced that that's how floral design worked, right? Our customers just tell us what they want and then we just make it happen, which I think is a version of people-pleasing, interestingly enough. And the other scenario that I remember very vividly because we all still get these inquiries is particularly if you're planning a wedding (laughs) for clients are planning a wedding and they send you those generic inquiries it says please provide me a quote with and they give you the wish list and they just want to know how much it's going to cost presuming every floral designer is the same across the entire globe (laughs) and they just need to find the cheapest option right We can tell those inquiries when they don't address you by name. (laughs) Literally, like, my favorite is when they try to address you by name, but they've actually put somebody else's name in your two section. So good, right? When somebody writes me an inquiry and says, hi, Emma. (laughs) I love it so much. It's so good, right? But when they say to us, I need five table arrangements, one archway, one bridal bouquet, one mother of the bride, one mother of the groom, cake flowers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or they literally call you and they're saying, I need 12 red roses delivered to this place at this time. Right. It's a very like dictator kind of mentality. I actually think for me, that was always a version of people pleasing because I didn't even realize that there was a discussion that could be had. I didn't realize that our clients have no idea how the heck this whole thing works and actually educating them and giving them information so they can make an informed decision is of tremendous value to our clients. But it kind of was this interesting scenario for me as I was reflecting upon people pleasing and how uncomfortable it can feel for us to say no to our clients. I just have to say yes. (laughs) So here's something for you guys to think about, and I'd love for you to throw it into the chat function. When is the last time you regret saying yes to a client's request? Super curious. What was the situation, right? If you could kind of teleport yourself back in time, did you pick up the phone and they said, hey, you know, could you make this thing happen? 
Or did they send you an email and over X, Y, Z, you ended up doing it and then you're staying at the wholesalers and you're like, why did I say yes to this? The last time you said yes to a client's request. Anyone? Anyone? See the fingers madly typing. <laughs> Alicia's like, I just love saying no. <laughs> Maybe you could tell us how to do that. So good. So good. So when Gwyneth has been saying no more lately, this is super interesting. Jenny, can I get you to chime in? Because I would love to hear from you. Love, love, love to hear from you. Where do you think our people-pleasing behavior comes from? Well, we all have a very deep-seated desire to be affirmed. You know, we could go back to our primitive brain and our ancestors who lived in tribal groups and depended on one another in the context of a group to be safe. And if you were an outlier <laughs> or a weirdo or you said no all the time and angered people, you run the risk of being ousted from the group and then in danger. And so we have inherited a desire to be affirmed and to be approved. And so when we find ourselves in people-pleasing behaviors, it's because we haven't learned how to find that approval and affirmation that we crave within ourselves. And so we're looking externally for others to approve us so that we can feel safe. That's the short answer. Yeah. And I think Gwyneth brings up a really good point. And I'll say this as a white person. <laughs> it's also hard to be an outlier in a mainstream environment, right? I think there are so many different interpretations in terms of what it's like to be an insider and what it's like to be an outsider that anytime, mm -hmm. as you said, right? Like anytime we feel like we might be putting ourselves into the outsider position, we'll probably talk ourselves out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, you know, evolutionary brain function. <laughs> And the thing is, is that even if we consciously decide we're safe and we don't have to, quote, extract approval from an external source, meaning other people, we are still going to have to contend with the discomfort that comes from that um, just because it's how we're wired. And mm -hmm. so even if we know cognitively that we're trying to please people, this is the thing about people pleasing that's hilarious to me. Just the phrase gives the idea that you can do it, right? That you can actually get inside someone else's mind and make them feel pleased about you. <laughs> First of all, that's not possible, guys. It doesn't work. You can't, right? You can influence them. You can try to manipulate them, but ultimately they get to decide if they're pleased or if they're not. So, you know, even if we're aware of our tendencies and we decide to say no or to do whatever it is that we think is going to, quote, not please someone, we have to contend with the discomfort that is naturally wired into our bodies when we make those choices. And so if people pleasing is a thing in your life, the way out of that is to learn how to feel uncomfortable. Do you know what I mean? You have to be able to identify the uncomfortable urge that you have to manipulate or secure someone's approval. And you have to be willing to just feel it, let it flow through you, and then decide that you can provide the approval and affirmation for yourself. 
you know, and learn how to do that. I mean, that's really the only way out of it. And this is so interesting. And partly because the way that the chat function works is like Gwyneth has put her two cents in and then Alicia's chimed in and said, my experience is the complete opposite. <laughs> oh, I love like, it's that. It's so fun, right? Because we can see how, like Alicia's saying, in her upbringing, right? So she had female caretaker putting yourself last was not instilled, right? I don't care what strangers think, right? I was not raised to be a people pleaser. Mm. I was like, what an incredible example to then live into, right? And then literally on the other side of the planet, Gwyneth is like, it's harder to be an outsider. (laughs) So good, right? It's so interesting, this idea of finding examples. And for like, I would say, Alicia, that's so incredible that that's somebody who you got to follow in the footsteps of, but being able to see that and going like, oh, okay, we could actually find an example of another human being who embodies, right, love and caring and service, but isn't bending over backwards, right? I think my mom would describe it as being walked over like a doormat, Mm -hmm. that phrase. (laughs) That there's kind of, we can find other human beings who embody what we want to become and use them as an example to see what's possible. Mm. Because I think for me, I didn't think you could say no from a place of love and generosity for your client. I didn't know that that was an option. Mm. Right. And very functionally, right. If we think about every florist's internal battle, this is so fun with fucking peonies. (laughs) Because every client wants them, even if we're doing daily flower deliveries, right? When it is peony season, everybody wants peonies, right? And then all of a sudden you might get the peonies, but they're crap, right? They either don't open or they completely go the opposite way and they've completely shattered. So even though you said you can get the peonies and you can deliver them for your client, the quality isn't up to your expectations. So it's like, well, now what do I do? (laughs) Right? All because we set ourselves up at the beginning, by saying, yes, sir, no, sir, whatever you want, sir. Didn't even start to think about opening up that dialogue. How many times have we done that? (laughs) So many times. (laughs) So many times. I have another question for you, Jenny, that's a little bit out of left field. Because I wonder, as a creative, like, people-pleasing and how it can impact our creativity, right? Worrying about what somebody else is going to think. Like, let's talk about the fastest way to suffocate creativity. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting. I don't think this is out of left field. I think this is so relevant for you guys, especially because in modern, you know, capitalism, I guess, there's that phrase, the customer is always right. And that works probably fine if you're selling, you know, vacuum cleaners or, you know, liquid detergent or something, widgets. But when you're selling art, which is essentially what you guys are doing, right? Like, let's take it out of floral design for a minute and let's look at the music industry. We call it, in the music industry, we call it selling out, people-pleasing, right? It's really no different for you guys, right? And so, like you said, it strangles creativity and you run the risk of losing your authentic creativity, right? Your own authentic expression with your medium, which is flowers. Like, so I think that what happens is in any artistic industry, 
when people are caught up in people pleasing, because it's been ingrained, unlike Alicia, that the customer is always right. And my favorite, I'm a woman. And so I'm supposed to be agreeable, right? I'm supposed to be a doormat or whatever. Um, we start to lose ourselves. We sell out. And we don't even realize we're doing it because like you said at the opening, it seems so honorable. I'm just trying to please my customer. What's wrong with that? Right. But, you know, we really have to understand, we really have to ask ourselves, why do we want to please them? If it's just altruism and you just want to give them what they asked for because that just is a wonderful thing, great. But if it's because you feel like you're not enough and you're looking for someone to justify your art or your business or your existence on the planet, that's where it's a problem, right? Because you can't control them. You can't control what they think. Think about how often either in your business or maybe someone else um, has experienced a situation where you do everything right. You did exactly what they said and they still weren't pleased, right? We can't control what they think about our work. And so if we are looking for that external validation, we're going to have a hard time because we can't secure that for ourselves. We can, though, learn how to affirm of ourselves, um, approve of ourselves, love our art, you know, and even take it to the next level and just be super proud of it. And I mean, I, I'd like to be a fly in the studio of Alicia one day and just see how she functions in that place, knowing that putting yourself last just wasn't instilled. It's just not a thing. It's such a powerful place to serve from to serve from, right? We think, oh, that sounds so arrogant. No, this puts you in a position to serve so beautifully because there's nothing attached to it. You're just serving, right? So for those of us, this is a very selfish question. <laughs> for those Michelle, of us, i.e. me, <laughs> who have the very well-practiced narrative of I'm not good enough, I'm not going to be able to figure this out, I'm not smart enough, and gosh, dog, nobody likes me. <laughs> When you say learning to affirm ourselves, what could that look like? Like that to me is a new skill to practice. I was like, yeah. tell me I more I think the first this. question would be, where are you currently getting your affirmation, right? What kind From of you. fleeting <laughs> bullshit? <laughs> well, I just happen to be in love with you. So I don't know. That's no wonder you like it, getting it from me. But um, right, like if you challenge where you're... Don't even challenge it. Look at where you're getting it and look at how fleeting it is, right? Because like you and I could meet one day and I'm just like so all over my own self and I might say something rude and not even realize I'm saying it right. So like you can't rely on me to have this consistent integrity with you in terms of affirming you all the time, right? The only one we can rely on is ourselves. The only one we can depend on is ourselves, Um other people have their own shit going on in their heads. So I think you have to look at where you think you're getting it now. Mm. And then you have to be honest with that source, you know, take a hard look at that source and look at how it's failing you. This is super interesting. I'd love to hear from you guys. Like, where do you think, where do you go for your affirmation? Because I'll tell you right now, like, Instagram followers, like the minute you said that to me, I was like, oh, that was my attachment to Instagram followers right? The minute I feel 
you know, like, cause like you can see my brain where it's like, once I have a thousand followers and then 2000 followers, but you're always striving for more because it's never enough. Right. Right. When you're attached to that kind of thing, I guess. But it'd be so interesting, right? Like, and I've also been through the experience of when you don't hear from a client, right? And our brain's negativity bias is then going to go into, it was a disaster. All the flowers died. I'm not good enough. It's never going to work, right? As a result of our attachment to wanting to hear from the client to receive our validation right. and affirmation, right? Our brain is naturally going to fill it in with, nope. <laughs> Yeah, that's why it's so crazy. And it's so, it's such a drain, right? Because you're up and you're down and you're up and you're down. You can learn how to affirm yourself and then you're just solid. And when you get compliments, they don't mean anything really. You're just like, thank you. And then when you get complaints, they don't mean that much either. And you're just like, thanks for your feedback. I'll take a look at that. And you're not up and down and back and forth, you know, because you've got this internal source of affirmation that you've worked on that you've developed. It's totally doable. Yeah. No. And I'm just realizing, I think that's a really powerful question, right? Like where are we attaching or gathering affirmation from outside of us? Yeah. Right. Because this is why so many of us crumble when we hear from a client, this has happened to me, right? You deliver the wedding flowers and they say, this isn't what I ordered. (laughs) That has happened to me before. Um, Or when we get a customer complaint, right? Because for so many of us, we take that on because we've attached our affirmation to their feedback to us, right? To tell us whether it's good or bad so that when it's bad and they give us that feedback, we are completely destroyed in a pile on the floor. Yeah. And your brain takes that as evidence against you that you'd actually really do suck. Because you haven't done the work to approve of yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that your own self-approval is so fragile that you're constantly searching externally for approval. And then it's a shit show because we can't control what those people are saying out there. Some of them are nice. Some of them are mean. One day, you know, they have a stomach ache. They treat you like shit. Like it's so up and down. It's not a reliable source. Yeah. Yeah. Versus, right. And this perspective on customer complaints in particular happened for me. So the incident where there was a woman who complained about her $60 bouquet, she complained about it. And in her complaint to me on the phone, she said, you don't understand. I have such a tumultuous relationship with my mother that I needed Mm. this bouquet to help address that. (laughs) My, My brain literally went, well, 60 bucks is not going to solve that problem. Right. And you're like thinking, how is this my problem all of a sudden? (laughs) But it was the perfect thing for her to say because it really showed me that that's the beauty and also the emotional challenge of our work is we are taking our client's emotion and we are wrapping it up in ribbon and gifting it to somebody else. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, well, all the time, probably our client's expectations are here and they want to fix every scenario and situation, and particularly during a global pandemic, when I cannot be there and I need this $150 bouquet to be Nana's like grand celebration of her 90th birthday. (laughs) It's like, oh, it actually was the perfect experience to then be able to show myself a customer complaint is just data, right? Where has our communication let the business down? Where is our product let the business down? Where are our systems and our procedures not aligning to what needs to happen? And then almost the same thing can happen with positive customer feedback. Yes. 
right? So it can be neutralized. Yes. But you're absolutely right. Because I think for so many of us, we attach because we walk around feeling like an imposter all the time. We're looking for validation and legitimacy. Yes. We attach it to customers, Instagram followers, likes on posts, feedback that we get, interactions with other humans. And then the minute it doesn't happen, we're like, right. And the thing is, it's we don't even realize we're doing it. You know, like you just spouted out a list and we would all say, shit, I've done that. And we would all agree that that is not a very valid way to do things. Like, you know, we're just unaware. We're unaware that we're hanging our hat on all of that stuff. Um, yeah, it's just, it's not a reliable source. The only reliable source, you guys, is you. And that's what's going to catapult your business in the direction that you want it to go is you learning how to approve of you. And it doesn't mean you don't give a shit about what other people think. It just means that you don't attach your um, emotional state on what they think. It's so interesting because I'm like, oh, that takes awareness. Yeah. Right. And that question that you always ask, like, so what are you making it mean? Mm -hmm. And this is why that exercise of being able to take the, you know, Take somebody's complaint or take, you know, what is the pure circumstance, the neutral statement of fact that says, this is the incident, this this is what's happened. And then you can write out all of the sentences in your brain to see what your brain is making it mean becomes so powerful. Because then it's like, where are we attaching, as you said, right? Where are we attaching our emotional state to somebody else's behavior? And I think it's so good too, Kathleen, to always remind yourself, you guys, you literally don't have the power to please someone. We think that we do. We think that we can just jump through enough hoops and we're going to please people. But I am here to tell you that there's going to be someone out there that there's no hoop high enough for you to jump through that's going to please them. Because them feeling pleased is created by their thoughts. And if they've had a rough year or they are, you know, have have decided on a level of perfection that doesn't exist or whatever it is, right? You'll never please them. You can't. And so reminding ourselves that what pleases other people has to do with what they're thinking rather than what we're doing. We literally don't have the power to please someone. I know that like, it's hard to hear that because we are taught that we have that power. And it doesn't mean that, you know, you jumping through hoops might trigger them to think thoughts that cause them to be pleased. That might happen. That chain of event might happen, but it might not. So what it means is that them feeling pleased is dependent on what they're thinking and you don't have power over what they're thinking Mm -hmm. ever. And I think it's impossible for us to remind ourselves and to be reminded of that idea every day, a hundred times a day. Yeah. Yeah. 